and welcome to the Deep Young Bear podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boff and Mr. Boff, my man. How are we? I'm so good, Sean. How are you? I am great. It is steamy, hot, wet, hailey in Melbourne. Uh, I don't know what it's like in Perth, but I'm sure it is much better than it is right now. It's 28 and sunny. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll fuck out of here. Um, before we get into <laughs> the Western Conference over-unders, uh, <laughs> this is going to be the third week in a row that we've had the best podcast of the whole entire year. I would just like to tell it a story uh, that I'm just going to quickly run through, but I ordered a present for a friend and I don't want to disclose the contents of this present because the person there's a greater than 0% chance they're listening. So maybe less than 1%. I ordered this one present that costs $129. I get home after work and there were eight units of this present. And I'm like, Oh no, I've just spent eight times $129. Check my, check my bank account. It's all good. But I'm like, maybe there was a delay. Check my PayPal, check my email. Now I got charged $129 for eight versions of this $129 present. How about that? Is it a present that you need slash want slash can use eight of? Well, uh, I've called them and uh, they're arranging to pick it up, um, but you most definitely only need one. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, sure, you could have kept like two or three of them, chuck them on Gumtree and then Bob's (laughs) uncle, the present pays for itself. Or what did you say the other day? You said like uh, John Franco's your uncle. (laughs) 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 that's one of your better jokes (laughs) (laughs) thanks credit where credit's due i appreciate it (laughs) angela's your uncle um gladys is your auntie (laughs) i bloody hope gladys is my auntie that stings for any australian (laughs) Uh, all right, well, let's move on to the Western Conference Finals over-unders. This is the exact same as last week. And if you're listening to this, haven't listened to last week, we went through the Eastern Conference. Um, well, if, if you listen to that, you should know what we're doing. But we're going through the, the projections, thanks to resident mathematician Sean Conlon and friend Big of the thanks to Sean Conlon for giving us the number conversions for a 72-game season and a 48, uh, sorry, 82-game <laughs> season. And in, some of the, in the top eight, we've got where these players would rank if they actually met their projected number. Obviously, some of these numbers like Dallas's, which we're talking about in a moment is 48 and a half and Dante and I are going to say whether we're going over or under that number in terms of season wins and Dante just before we get into it I'll just go through the first team on the list which is the Dallas Mavericks and their notable additions were Josh Richardson, James Johnson, Tyrell Terry, Josh Green and their notable losses were Seth Curry, DeLon Wright and JJ Barea. Dante are they going to go over or under 42.5-48.5? They're going over Sean. Okay, tell me why. They are going hard over. Because I'm just going to default to believing that the team with Luka Doncic is going to be quite good. And the moves that they've made uh, this offseason, they just got big at every position. And this team is effectively just going to be, when KP comes back healthy, it's going to be Luka at the one, KP at the five, and then just three big wings who can all do something different, who can all do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, like throw in some random dudes like uh, highly rated rookies, Tyler Terry, Josh Green, and then someone like Dorian Finney-Smith who, you know, always pops up and is and, and is useful. That's pretty much everyone in their starting lineup slash like top seven guys is going to be like 6'6 six, six or bigger. So 
as we've seen with the Lakers in the playoffs this past postseason, size really does matter, especially when you can get big dudes at the one and the two. Uh, and uh, Luka Doncic as well. I rest my case. Uh, yeah, I feel like if you had just started that whole thing with Luka Doncic, we could have just moved on. But yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm also hitting the over, but I'm a little bit cautious because on one hand, yes, Luka Doncic, he's what, 21 years old. He's just now legally allowed to drink. He is obviously incredible. He's going to get better, hopefully. And my fantasy team hopes that he get better. He gets better as well. But the thing is that Kristaps Porzingis is going to be out. It was reported by Tim McMahon of ESPN that he was going to be out until, well, they're targeting January 1st. And you and I, uh, we, we talked about it in the East over-unders. It's like, well, these guys got injured in the bubble. And if they're still not getting targeted to come back six months later in January, it's like, well, what's going on here? Like we never heard in the bubble that's like, oh, Kemba Walker's injury is going to be a six month injury because we would have been really stressed. Like I feel like it was like day to day and then maybe a week and two weeks and all of a sudden he's not playing. We know that KP had a big injury, but you know, it's like this, this has been half a year of recovery, but nevertheless, he's going to come back. Any guy coming back after a long amount of time isn't going to be hundred percent. So I, I am cautious that like, so this is almost a 50, almost 50 win pace for a team with Luka Doncic missing their second best player and just a, a lot of good role players. I think Josh Richardson is a good pickup. I'm cautious, um, but I just think, again, like like you finished your point with, Luka Doncic is so good. and I think he'll just drag him out of wherever it is and just drag him to 50 wins, probably for the next 10 years. Yeah, probably. And with someone like KP, who's just obviously had such a snake-bitten injury history, I'm definitely not going to go and say, like, oh, but, like, he'll be fine. Because, obviously, he's just... Every time he seems fine, he's come back and done something else. So this is almost, you know, it's contingent in some some respects on the health of KP. But I'm I'm a big believer in, in what they've done. I'm a big believer in the moves that they've made this offseason and the way that their roster fits together. I think even if we only get, you know, like KP at like 75% or we only see him for like something like two-thirds of the games or whatever, yeah. I think this team could still be really good and still kind of, you know, even without him playing a major role, push that mid-40s pace. And with a dude who's probably in the top three in the league as the best player, like, if you're on a mid-40s pace, all you need is a couple of 40-point triple-doubles for yeah, you to jump up to, to, what this, to what this, you know, in a normal season, this would be 49 wins. So that that's definitely attainable. Like, man, the, the, the 2014-15 Wizards won 49 wins. got 49 <laughs> wins. So it's not yeah, like it's... Is, sorry, there's that caveat. Yeah, but you know what I mean, though. It's not like we're yeah, talking yeah. about like rarefied air, like the best team of the of, of the decade. It's 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 definitely achievable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Well, just before we move on to the next team, they obviously added James Johnson, who is let's call him a goon. Um. How long until if they first the Clippers? How or how hard does James Johnson hit Marcus Morris as soon as Marcus Morris does his bullshit, standing on the foot and putting his foot under Luka Doncic? <laughs> James Johnson probably isn't going to play that much, so he's got nothing to lose if he gets a 10-game <laughs> suspension. <laughs> going to be like Dante Cunningham um, for Cleveland when he was um, – like he, he had more fines than he did actual NBA salary and he was just in there just to beat up whoever looked at LeBron weird. I'm expecting uh, – and this is a bit of a, a, a local reference for all our NBL fans over here, but when – in probably like, what, 2016 or 2017, Sydney Kings legend Josh Childress – just decked, like literally like spear tackled some bloke uh, <laughs> after a scuffle under the basket and got suspended for like the entire season. Someone fact check me, but there's a, a, Josh, <laughs> a Josh Childress incident 
I'm expecting big things from James Johnson in that department. He's because he's one of the all-time goons of like the last ten years. Like he is, and actually good at basketball. He had that good Miami season that got impaired. Yeah, well, I mean, like you know, let's let's slow down on that one. But yeah, he, he, he he's okay. Okay, all right. Well, speaking of just okay, that is obviously like as I'm very high on this Denver Nuggets team, but the Denver Nuggets, their 72 game win projection is 44 and a half or 51 flat. If you go off 82 games, projected to make the third seed, they added Facundo Campazzo, Jamichael Green, RJ Hampton, Isaiah Hartenstein. Bol Bol, uh, and I put him there because he was converted to a normal contract, so his games are completely unlimited. Uh, notable losses are Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and the MVP himself, Cater Bates Diop. Um, Dante, are you hitting the over or the under Denver Nuggets at 51? I'm hitting the under on this team. Hmm. This is probably the one that I thought long and hard about, like more than any other team. I, I, in my mind, I think this is the five seed. Because I think that Dallas and Portland are both going to be better than Denver. It's like, oh, but they're only going to be two spots worse. Well, I mean, two spots could be, you know, five games. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I just think I just think that the 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 losses that they've had in Tory Craig and why am I saying Craig like I'm some bloody American? Tory Craig, because that's how you say the name. <laughs> just fact fact check every American person. <laughs> and Jeremy Grant is is really big because I, I I mean I know you think that it might not be such an issue until they get to the playoffs, but just think about the, the ball dominant wins that they're going to have to to face, you know, on a, on a nightly basis. And if you don't have anyone who can match up with, not even like a, a you know, not even like a LeBron or a Kawhi or whatever, but like a TJ Warren, like who's stopping TJ Warren's team? You know, TJ Warren stopping TJ Warren, man. <laughs> No, blasphemy. I just think that this team has lost that that wing stopper and they don't have anybody else who's either good enough or big enough to step into that role. Like I don't really back Gary Harris. He's more of a more yeah, of a guard defender and Will Will Barton, you know, he's passable on D, but he's definitely not locking anyone up. And then on the inside, if you see a healthy dose of MPJ at the four and then Jokic at the five. That's that's also not stopping anyone. And I just kind of think like, you know, like this this could be um, an, an Achilles heel, no matter how many points Jamal Murray pours in or, or Jokic, um, you know, is responsible for that. I, I, I don't know. Just, I'm just, I still think that would be good. I'm just, yeah. I think it hurts. I it, think it hurts in it, a way that they can't compensate for. It, it definitely does hurt. In the playoffs, um, I'll agree with that. But I think during the regular season, what, what we say is going to be great this regular season is consistency and chemistry. And this Denver Nuggets team, like it seems like they've been together forever. Um, and something that has really excited me watching preseason, that Nikola Jokic looks like in the form of his life. And yes, you know, you come into preseason, everyone's like, oh, look, he's, he's in the form of his life. Every single big man has started shooting threes over the offseason and all that stuff. But Nikola Jokic for the last three seasons so the last three seasons where he's really been the focal point of the team he's come in started a bit slow maybe he's a little bit overweight comes in plays himself into form and there's a lot of guys like that like Draymond Green is famous for playing himself into form as well um and he's good like you you should know having him on your fantasy team last year he started off averaging like 15 and 7 through the first month and then after that it was like 25 and 10 and, and whatever it was he was like incredible incredible and obviously first team all, all nba center 
And I just think during the regular season when, yes, TJ Warren might kill you, but in the regular season, TJ Warren's playing 30 minutes. Like if you faced him in the finals, he'll be playing 45 minutes. And they have lost crucial wing defenders, but it's not going to hurt them as much in the regular season. And this team might already have won the game by the third quarter. Um, they, they've might, so that it doesn't even matter if they've got some killer in the fourth, some killer wing like TJ Warren. We, we need to start using a different name. But I just think it's not going to matter because this team's going to be so good on offense. And they're, they've sort of committed to not being able to stop anyone at all because... Mike, uh, Mike Malone has said that he is looking at potentially playing some three-point guard lineups. So that's Jamal Murray, um, uh, Facundo, Campazzo, and Monte Morris. And he's like, well, look, play three guards. Just have everyone run around Jokic like, as the nucleus of that, whatever it is, that nucleus. And that that's a fun team. And I'm really looking forward to having guys like that and those really funky lineups. And I think Jermichael Green is good. And I'm, I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but surely Jamal Murray has to have a breakout year. Like eventually, like surely he's going to convert what he did in the bubble. If, if we're going to, if we're going to talk about some other teams that played well in the bubble, if any of the things from the bubble are going to replicate, like surely Jamal Murray is one of them in his like what sixth year or so or something crazy. And he's still only like 24 years old. So 23 actually. So it's, you know, I'm eternally high on this Denver Nuggets team. So of course I'm hitting the over. I just want to say before we move on that I think uh, it's really good that they've added Facundo Campato. And obviously, you know, we all know that earlier in his career, he was kind of a bit scattershot playing from Madrid in EuroLeague and the league at ACB. And he had a couple of seasons where he's put up some big scoring totals. He's really good with the ball in his hand and he's, you know, he's absolutely dining to all of his teammates. But he's also had some seasons where he struggled a bit with efficiency and balancing that pass first and scoring mentality. So uh, I just think the last kind of like, you know, year or two, he's, he's kind of settled down into more of a happy medium where he's playing the traditional point guard role where he's still a threat to score, but he's balancing his playmaking really, really well. And I think that that will be really important for this Denver Nuggets team and playing with some cerebral players like Jokic, I think will really help unlock his game. So Dante, uh, I can see what you're doing, man. You just did it with uh, Anthony Jill. Maybe stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> but if you've got any concerns, <laughs> got any concerns about Campazzo's last couple of seasons, just uh, I urge you to watch his preseason games because he's putting, he's doing a full court press, like full TJ McConnell right in your face, like jumping his legs up and down, like yeah, yeah, you're not getting past me in the preseason. It's like, if he can keep this up for not even 72 games, if he can keep this up for 7.2 games, it's like, that's, that's incredible, man. And I can't wait to see him play four minutes per game. <laughs> I, I can, I'm willing to bet a picnic that he is uh, going to play more than that. But what she's passed today, he had this pass to PJ Doja and it's like, yes, not many people are tuning into a fast break layup for PJ Doja off of a Campuzzo pass, Campuzzo. But he did this little thing where he, he passed it ahead of the guy, but he put a bit of backspin on it. So the ball bounced well ahead of him, just below the ring, but it bounced right back up into his hands. And I, we've all, I know you love it when I compare myself to basketball players, but we've all done that where we spin the ball backwards and it bounces right back to you. But this was a full court version 
pretty hefty pass in a preseason NBA game. And it's like this, this dude's got some gonads. So Dante, you can bring up his, his effective field goal percentage for Real Madrid as much as you want, but he is now a Denver nugget and he is now in, in, in my heart. He, he has a spot in my heart just for playing a full court press in preseason. That's what you get from a dude who cut his teeth on the, the famous 2012 Argentina Olympic sport. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not surprised. All right, so the next team is the Golden State Warriors, and their number is set at 37.5, or the 82-game extrapolation is 42.5. That would put them right on the eighth seed, right on the edge of the playoffs. They added Kent Bazemore, Nico Manignon, Kelly Oubre, Brad Wanamaker, and James Wiseman, and they lost Clay Thompson to injury, and sadly, Kai Bowman, who is now with the Clippers. Um, Dante, before I ask you if you're going over or under, I'd just like to say that I listen to a lot of Warriors podcasts the most optimistic of those guys have them at four. Maybe they mispronounced, sorry, five. Maybe they mispronounced five and said four. Um, John Hollinger has them finishing 11th, and that's using his whatever metrics he's using, but also using the fact that Draymond Green wasn't good at basketball last year. Dante, are you going over or under on the eighth seed? I'm going over, but just. Yep. I think that this team probably maxes out at, at like a 45 win standing uh, extrapolated for 80, 82 games. I think the biggest thing here is, like you just mentioned with Hollinger's metrics, is Draymond good or not? Because if he's not, then this team's not making the playoffs. But if we get 2017 Draymond, if we get 12, 8 and 6 with, you know, some excellent D from Draymond, then there's enough talent on this team and with a nuclear year from Steph Curry, I think that they could definitely propel themselves into that six, seven, eight range. But without Draymond, I just don't see it happening. What do you think? So let's say Draymond, and this was a comp that I just mentioned before, let's say he's James Johnson last year, right? So let's say that's pretty bad at basketball, yeah? Like he's not great, mm-hmm. but he's, he's in your rotation, right? If... So that's the that's the low watermark for Draymond uh, next season. I think that's safe to say. Um, I think that team still makes the playoffs, and we're going to see why. And it's a dude whose name rhymes with Beth and Burry because this dude is so good. Like literally, two-time MVP, three-time champion, one-time unanimous MVP. People are forgetting the fact that he didn't really play last year after Aaron Baines fell on his hand. And um, it's just Steph Curry is great at basketball. He makes the people around him great. I'm not trying to say that Wiggins is like the next best thing because we just spent five years of that, maybe three. Um, And I I think Wiggins and Oubre and Wiseman and uh, Kevon Looney looks healthy. All these dudes are just going to get better by playing with the best shooter in the world. And it's going to make everything just a little to a lot better easier for everyone else and I, I will hope that they can get up to the 50 win mark um, if any team is going to surprise and go eight games over their projection it's the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry but yeah I'm a little bit tempered same as you I think yeah they're around the 45 range hopefully I, I don't want this team to be into the play-in so that's the seven or eight seed um, so I'll be very very happy if they can make the sixth seed with 45 46 wins I just wonder if we, there's a lot of room for error because Draymond hasn't been, you know, what we think of as Draymond for probably a good two seasons now. And mm-hmm. whilst there's no reason to suggest that Steph has any ill effects from his broken hand last season and he's well rested and he looks good in preseason and stuff, if he if he comes in and he proves that he's not 
you know, like the, I don't know, not still at that level where he's he's the first unanimous MVP in league history. You don't have to look very far before you're relying on big big uh, contributions from guys like Eric Pascal and Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore, and the the like the two or the three through eight on this team is doesn't really stack up very well against the two through eight on other teams in the West that they're going to be directly competing against. And I just wonder, like, we, we kind of saw what happened last year, obviously with no Steph, Steph as the, um, the the gravity, the anchor of, of his team, both on the court and, you know, spiritually. But when you need to start getting big contributions from second-round picks or journeymen or, like, young guys who haven't really proved that they, proved that they can play, I think it can get hairy very quickly. And this team doesn't have the margin for error that a lot of other teams have. Like, all they are is, like, if Kelly Oubre gets injured, this team is in big trouble, you know? Mm. And that's even if uh, Dre and, and Steph are, you know, near 100% of what we've seen from them in the past. I just think that, whilst I am, I am going over, like I mentioned at the top, I think that, yeah, there's, there's a very real world in, in which it might not eventuate. But I do think that things standing as they are looking forward and you know not assuming the worst that this team will probably be in that seven eight range like mid high 30s in, in this season and mid 40s in the 82 yeah. game season yeah so i'm making my over prediction hoping that everyone stays healthy and i'll be doing that for the rest of this thing i probably should have mentioned that at the top obviously an injury to this team would might be more devastating than other teams just because they're very thin we can't we can't in these you know, unless it's someone like Paul Zingas or yeah. Kendall Walker last week where it's like the injury risk is, is very real. Like we have to just assume that everyone's staying healthy, especially with, with Steph's injury being a freak accident. Yeah. Long time, wrong place with uh, Aaron Baines. Cool. All right, the next team are the Houston Rockets and they their number is set at 34.5 or 39.5 in 82 games. That would put them in the lottery. Uh, and their notable additions were DeMarcus Cousins, Jay Sean Tate from the Sydney Kings, Christian Wood and John Wall. And their notable losses were Russ Westbrook, Robert Covington, Jeff Green and Austin Rivers. We almost have to put James Harden into that notable loss thing. Um, but obviously he's playing in the preseason today. And Dante, are you hitting the over or the under for 40 games for the Houston Rockets? I'm hitting the under pretty hard. Pretty hard. And why is that? Because he's got to be traded at some point. Yeah. He, he being Harden, capital H, <laughs> he. He's not going to finish this season out on this team. It just seems almost inconceivable that that's how this plays out. And they're almost certainly going to get a, a young players and draft picks compensation package from whoever trades for him, be it Philly or be it Brooklyn or some other team, players who aren't going to help this team be um, competitive now. Yeah. And you look at the other dudes on, on the roster and it's just question marks everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, so I, I'm hitting the over because I uh, this could be very stupid and I'm definitely ready for it to be stupid, but I actually believe in the question marks you know i've been buying in on john wall and bradley beal for the last two years now um we've only been potting for about 18 months but i've been buying into john wall and you've been yeah look sean let's just wait and see i'm not going to change just because i've seen him look really fit and fast in preseason games for a different jersey and i think that 
the lineup of John Wall, Eric Gordon, enter small forward here, Christian Wood, and a healthy Boogie Cousins might even make close to 40 wins right there, right? Like there's no incentive to tank for this team. They have no picks. So they're going to be trying to win. They've got a new coach who wants to actually coach and wants to win games. And so I, I think that that lineup there without Harden is close to 40. James Harden says he's going to be civil in uh, in how he's handling the start of the season. So let's say he plays 15, 20 games before he gets traded to Brooklyn or something. I think that for all the games he plays, obviously one of the best players in the whole entire league and what does he have, like the most MVP votes for the last decade. He is obviously going to help them win games. and They're going to win some games that they might not have uh, if he were to rest or just get traded. So that buffs up their number a little bit. So I'm looking at this as that lineup without Harden is close to 40 and Harden giving you an extra five wins above your expected value at the start of the year pushes you above 40. That could be 41. That could be 45. I, I can definitely see like a boring but good vibes team. So I've written here, imagine that lineup with Wall, Gordon, uh, Christian Wood and Boogie. Throw Karis Levert in there, for example, or throw Spencer Dinwiddie. That is a team of good rotation players that are all, I, I like them all individually. And I think that, that that they're better than 40 wins. Do you agree with that line of thought? I couldn't agree less. Couldn't <laughs> more. Uh, yeah, listeners will know that I'm kind of like, I'll, I'll wait and see from Wall because it's not only... You've seen it, man. I've seen it in the Bleacher Report notifications with fire emojis. Yeah, just because just because Bleacher, uh, Bleacher put up a post like days before the reports that, that Harden wanted out and was demanding a trade, they put up a post of like John Wall and was like, Harden got his guy. Doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make, make a trade. Harden got his the, guy. The question marks... <laughs> And um, yeah, part seventeen, bro. Um, I I'm not here to relitigate John Wall because listeners will know my thoughts. I I just I just think like I'll wait and see because John Wall wasn't great for probably two years before he got hurt, and a dude who yeah he looks he looks fit and healthy, but like an Achilles injury for a dude whose game is predicated almost entirely off his athleticism is nothing to sneeze at. So, you know, before I pencil him back in on the All NBA third team, I'm gonna need to see it, and then. Bro, Eric Gordon shot like 30% from three last year. Like, there's there's a real possibility that Eric Gordon's washed because he hasn't been an impact player for three years. And he's, um, he's he's <laughs> even just his general, like his, yeah, it's, it's not good. He he, he had a 10, P, a 10 PER last season. And, yeah. and the eye test confirmed that. Boogie has come up with conceivably, for a dude who was never in great shape to begin with, conceivably every lower leg injury that a seven-footer could have. So again, <laughs> You know, like, let me see it first. And then Christian Wood, like, I, I buy into Christian Wood as, like, a, you know, as, like, a, a hot young guy. And it's a, I think it's a great get. But, again, like, let me see Christian Wood, who's never played on a winning team in a big role. And then Levert as well. Levert's a great, uh, you know, a great isolation scorer. He's a dude who I could see averaging 23 points a game for this team if he does end up getting traded to Houston for Harden. But I, I don't see him averaging 23 and driving a winning team. I see him averaging 23 on a team that is in the doldrums a little bit. So I'm kind of down on everyone that you're up on. And, yeah, I think that... He's <laughs> that, that that'll definitely do moves. it, man. That'll definitely make you pick the under. <laughs> you're down on every guy. Yeah, Harden's probably going to get moved pretty early on. Like, I don't think that this will drag out for four months. I think that they'll, someone will pony up for him because, you know, like, like we've... 
like we've said, and like every podcaster in the entire world has said over the last month or so, when you have a chance to get someone as good as him, you you kind of you're kind of obliged to pull the trigger. So I think hard under. All right, uh, I just got two things to say. First one is Eric Gordon's getting paid seventeen million dollars this year, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. So in 2023-24, he'll be getting paid twenty point nine million dollars, and the dude will be what's that? He'll be thirty five years. So. Good on Daryl Morey for getting out um, after the first year of that contract. I, I, I can't really talk. That sucks. I can't really talk too much about um, you going under. You don't like all these dudes. I like all these dudes. I can understand why you wouldn't like them. Um, you're under. I'm over. Just final thing before we move on. If James Harden gets traded, let's say Dinwiddie, Levert, bunch of picks, is he the best player on that Brooklyn team? No, it's KD. A an eighty percent KD. No, I'm buying in on KD. I know you drafted him pretty high. Man, Every, everything that I said about John Wall coming back from the exact same injury, throw it out the window because KD is <laughs> different. <laughs> you fucking snake. Nah, he, he probably he probably is he probably is the best the best player on that team. I mean, how many like like Sean the dude just put up thirty six in back to back seasons. Like how many you know he walks into any team in the league mm. probably except the Lakers and he's the best player. Yeah. And the Warriors, yeah, cool. All right, so the next team on our list is the Los Angeles Clippers, which their number is set at 47 or 53.5 per 82 games. And that would put them second in the Western Conference. Their notable additions were the one and only Nicholas Batum, Serge Ibaka, Luke Kennard, uh, and of course, Kai Bowman. There's actually a couple of good like um, deep two cult heroes on this team, actually. And notable losses of Jermichael Green, Montrezl Harrell, Rodney Magruder, and Landry Shamet. Dante, are you going under or over the Clippers to be the second seed with 53 and a half wins? I'm going under. I'm also going under. Uh, I thought for sure you'd go over. I'm glad that we're in alignment. They have the talent to win 60 games, in my opinion. That's just, I don't know who's playing from a night-to-night basis because I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, Mifonzu Calvin Gailey and that doesn't win. How do you say it, bro? Mifonzu Calvin Gailey. Thank you. Um, And he... just exotic name Flex. (laughs) He doesn't win you 53 games. Um, I think, like, we're going to do our predictions next week for the season, but... I'm going to pick the Clippers to win the whole thing. I've talked about this last week and maybe the week before. Serge Ibaka is a great ad. Kawhi Leonard, in my eyes, still the greatest player in the in the league, despite um, basketball not proving that right for the last, well, definitely in the bubble. And, uh, and LeBron certainly has something to say about that last season. But uh, I'm I'm picking the under because they're not going to play basketball, man. It's 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 the Clippers and it's Kawhi Leonard. Sean, you're breaking the cardinal rule of deciding who's the best player in the league, which is you can only react to what we just saw the most recent postseason. So <laughs> you reacting to saying that we saw from two postseasons ago is not, that's not in the rule book. Oh, well, maybe it makes me like a big brain podcaster for not being so John Wall's back, fire emoji, fire emoji. <laughs> the league better think, watch out. I think the fact that we're not even halfway through this pod and you've already said Kai Sky Bowman about four times probably <laughs> removes you from the big brain podcaster <laughs> conversation. Um, you don't see John Hollinger dropping, dropping <laughs> four Kai Bowman in the first half of a podcast. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's something you should work on. I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. It's Kai Sky Bowman, man. Like that's awesome. 
Well, yeah, you're right. This is this is literally like three of the four notable additions in Batum, Canard, and Bowman <laughs> are kind of like cult status on this uh, on this podcast. I think that this team got worse, and I think that, uh, like you said, they they have Kawhi, who's probably gonna uh, sit quite a bit, and and not for nothing, you know, Paul George missed the first the first or well, a chunk of the first um, part of last season out with an injury the, the infamous double shoulder surgery not fun to be him on the toilet i imagine but uh i think he's another dude who's probably going to rest quite a bit and uh with harold gone and lou williams potentially out the door at the right price uh you know the chemistry issues have that the kind of submarine this team haven't gone away and we talked about it a few weeks ago that this team pretty much is relying on uh, old mate Ty Lue to come in and just be the star whisperer and settle everything down and pull everyone back into the line. And I think that rather than hanging my hopes on that, uh, I'm going to hang them on, you know, someone like the Lakers to power, with, you know, with their depth to power through this regular season. For what it's worth, I still kind of think that they will be the, the best of the rest. And, and probably still lock up that second seed. But it's just hard to look past when their two best players are probably going to be sitting quite regularly. Uh, we're just going to have to disagree on this one. Uh, we're both going under, but I think this team's going to win the title and not because I think Ty Lue is a miracle worker, um, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I'm back in the Clippers just as we both did last season um, and not overreacting to an abnormal situation. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Tobacco companies aren't allowed to advertise anywhere in Australia and a number of other countries. Even if you haven't seen Mad Men yet, you understand why. It's obvious. But it wasn't always this way. Tobacco advertising used to flood Australian sport until the late 1980s. Something that was completely normalised then now seems unfathomable today. Australians lose over $1.2 billion annually by gambling on sport. And it may seem harmless to put a multi on if you think you've got an edge, but what's harmful is the growing normalization of sports gambling and the massive increase in the risk of addiction. What's worse is that these companies are raking in your money, throwing it back into advertising and even targeting children, the next generation of gamblers in their eyes. The gambling industry spends millions on advertising every year to make it look exciting and risk-free often placing their ads in places where they know kids and teenagers will see them the most. Next time you're watching any sport, basketball, footy, tennis, cricket, or anything else, try and see how long you can go without seeing an ad for betting. Now imagine you're a kid watching the game. There's no way to avoid it. A 12-year-old in Australia today has never even seen a professional sports game without gambling advertisements. The answer isn't to ban sports gambling, but there needs to be a change in the way it's advertised. Follow the link in this episode's description or type in endgamblingads.org.au forward slash petition to sign the petition to remove gambling ads from the sports we love and go back to enjoying it without any money on it. All right. Well, speaking of the winners of the abnormal situation, Los Angeles Lakers, and their number is set at 47 and a half or 54. And that would put them at the number one seed. And they added Mark Gasol, Montrose Harrell, Wesley Matthews, and Dennis Schroeder, and they lost Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, and Rajon Rondo. And it pretty much for the same reason I'm picking the other LA team to go under. I'm picking them to go under because I don't know how much LeBron and AD are going to play. We both just did our, um, our local fantasy draft, and I stayed away from Anthony Davis, despite probably being a good selection at number two. 
um, so that uh, so that I'm just not going to be worried about him not resting or not getting injured. Uh, and like, do you really believe in Taylor and Horton Tucker <laughs> to be their their go to man when those two guys are sitting? Well, I, you know, I don't believe in him yet, but he's making a believer out of me. Goodness. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think the only the only place that they didn't upgrade, and I think it's safe to say that it's a downgrade, is the the three and D wing spot where they've basically swapped out Danny Green for Wes Matthews, and yeah. Wes Matthews is a better defender, but he is not as good as Danny Green at literally everything else. Yeah. Um, but. I think given the fact that they've upgraded probably an upgrade in getting Gasol there over Howard and McGee, definitely an upgrade in getting Schroeder and Harold there. Um, if you told me that some combination of Caruso, Horton Tucker, and then KCP being back can give you, combined with Matthews, can give you much more than what Danny Green was giving you in the same role last season, I'm like, yeah, 100%. And LeBron, I think, will rest quite uh, quite a lot. Woe is me because I, I took him in the aforementioned fantasy draft. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, we, we've seen Davis uh, be able to just kind of like dominate uh, without LeBron at times and with a, a good supporting cast around him. I think that even on those nights where LeBron, LeBron rests, uh, even if he has like a little, you know, like a little mini break, like he sits, you know, like three in a row or something, there'll still be. Uh, you know, with the offense running through Davis enough to um, enough to keep this team afloat, and then when they're both playing, like who's who's stopping them? You know, I, I, I I'm I'm pretty hard on the over, and I think that if it was an 82 game season, we could see them, you know, in the high 50s. So for this to be the equivalent of 54, I'm saying yeah, let's 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 roll with it. It's, it's just they have no reason to play because one of the reasons why some people think that LeBron went so hard in the last season was that people didn't believe the Lakers did, could do it. So he goes, all right, well, we're going to get the one seed and they obviously went on to win the title. Everyone knows that this team has what it takes to win it all. Like they, they, they could just wake up tomorrow and probably win another title. They don't have to prove they can be the one seed. So I'm hitting the under just because I think while they have the talent to win 54 games, they're not going to be playing every single week. Every single night. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I know we're falling <laughs> different different sides of the fence on the Clippers, but do you really see them not being the one seed? Do you see that any, you know, and it's important to note that I think three out of the four years that LeBron was in Miami, his teams weren't the one seed. So he does have a track record for not, you know, going pedal to the metal the entire Mm. Uh, regular season like we saw last season but I think you're right, he did have a, a point to prove but just based off uh, you know, the collection of talent uh, and the fact that they've got a pretty good fallback plan in just you know, a team with high level role players around Anthony Davis when LeBron sits I think I'm just going to go with, you know, I'm just going to believe in the talent that this team has and believe in LeBron James Okay, well, you you do actually ask a good question there at the start where you say, okay, well, Sean, if the Lakers aren't going to get the one seed and I've also picked the Clippers to go under their number, who's going to be the one seed? Uh, my answer would be you could see Denver doing it as they've done it, what, two out of the last three years. Um, you could see Dallas just going absolutely nuclear. Chris Tatsbalzingas comes back, averages, what, 25 and 10, something like that. Or even, you know, you can't discount the fact that 
there are teams like Portland or Utah where they could have a Denver-like season from a couple of years ago where you're not like, oh, my God, they're going to win a title. But they just win every single regular season game. And then maybe they lose that one night against the Lakers and everyone goes, oh, well, they're not contenders. It may be like Atlanta um, in 2014-15 where they won 60 games. I think this could be in, in an abnormal situation with no fans. This could be the year where there's one of those teams like Portland that just come out and say, yes, yeah, stuff, we're going to win the equivalent to 60 games. Yeah, but there's a lot of could and maybe <laughs> in there. And I'm just saying this team that won a championship last season get better. So yeah. I feel good. I feel good about the over. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to the next team, which are the Memphis Grizzlies, who just won 32 games, which, when extrapolated out, hits 36 and a half. They're projected to make the to get into the lottery. They added Desmond Bain out of TCU, and they lost Josh Jackson and Anthony Tolliver. And Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr. will miss a lot of time. I don't actually, I couldn't actually find a, a definitive date on there, but let's assume, like every single other player that's injured right now, let's assume they come back in January. Um, I'm I'm hitting the over because despite Triple J missing time, which look you just need to watch their play in the bubble to see how much that really hurts them because they absolutely shut the bed in the bubble. Um, it's uh, I, you just see every single player on this team apart from NBA Jonas Valanciunas getting better. They're all young. They're all drummer and they're all. De'Anthony Melton, they're all Justice Winslow. If he ever touches the court ever again, guys like that, they're just going to get better. And like, not even that they're going to make the eighth seed, but 36 wins per 82 is so low, man. Like this is, this is a low number. They were at 34 wins before the bubble. So that was in like 60 games last year. Yeah. But I think if, if Chilwell James is any substantial amount of time that you're right, that is going to kind of, be, be tough to overcome. I think he was pretty clearly their second best player last year, and not only that, but the um, the floor spacing that he gives them on offense is is super important, especially when you partner him with a big dude like NBA Valanciunas. I just think that other teams got better. This team, you know, this team kind of like stood stood pat, and yeah, you're gonna, you know, like Jamarant's gonna get better, and the young players are gonna are gonna kind of be on the rise. But I just think that other teams like maybe a Golden State or a Portland and potentially even a Phoenix through their, you know, instant additions or getting healthy again or getting their team back together uh, have kind of like jumped jump past them. Someone has to win 36 games, you know. <laughs> Someone has to do it. And I, I think that the Grizzlies are a prime candidate to consolidate what they did last year but not necessarily expand upon it. Um, well, so I'm going to hit the under. Should we move on from there? Because you mentioned a really good point where you say someone's got to win 36 games and the next team is the Minnesota Timberwolves, whose <laughs> number is set at 29 or 33 when extrapolated, they're projected for the lottery. So I'm going to go under 33 and I think 36 is a good number for them. Sorry, I probably should have mentioned their particulars. So they added Anthony Edwards, Ed Davis, Ricky Rubio and Ronda Hellas Jefferson and they lost James Johnson and Amari Spellman. Um, you, if you wrote this run sheet, you might not have put Amari Spellman there, but I think he's got a role in the NBA and he's currently playing for the Knicks. So there you go. Welcome to the team where anyone can have a role. Um, so are the Minnesota Timberwolves getting over or under 33 games? Dante Boffer. So you, you just said 36 was a good number, but then said you're going under. Because I don't like I, – I just – this team's not defending anyone. Like, I think 36 is a good number where it's like, okay, that's that's their high watermark. 
but they are not stopping anyone. And I mentioned like the last guy they signed um, was Rondo Hollis Jefferson. He signed for a minimum and he's probably going to start because if you start Wancho Hernan Gomez at the four, not Rondo, there is not a single player on that whole entire starting lineup. And maybe, maybe out of their top eight players, only one, and that's Ricky Rubio, is actually going to try on defense and actually be good on defense. So I don't think they're stopping absolutely anything. And maybe you can make the argument that they're going to be absolutely supercharged on, oh, no, you've just typed over. It's Go on, make the argument, man. <laughs> this, team is going to, this team is going to be the, the Wizards from last year. And the Wizards won how many games? Like- no, no, no. no. I... I- I agree with you. I think that 36 is, 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 is about right for them. So I'm hitting the over on 33. 36 seems right because there's too much offensive talent on this team to have a bad offense. Like they're they're going to be a top 10 offense, I think, no matter what, with D'Lo, Cat, number one overall pick, Cooper Jacks has like a bit of a scoring machine, Anthony Edwards. Um, you've got Rick Rubio coming in that a facilitator second unit. You've got Malik Beasley who just turned into like a hyper efficient twenty point scorer for the second half of last season. You know, there's there's enough to work with there that they'll be really good on offense. And you're right, there's literally no one is gonna like no one is gonna defend on this team. And even dudes who you know, Edwards projects eventually if you know, if if everything goes well, projects as a plus defender. Akogi is already a plus defender, but is so bad offensively that having him out there, you know, really gums everything up. Hollis Jefferson is a good defender, but he's pretty limited and, you know, pretty much played in Toronto last year as a full-time five. So you're assuming that Kat's going to be at the five for most of the game. His, his role might be mitigated. This team's not stopping anyone, but they will do some damage to the opposing net. And I think that they're probably interchangeable with Memphis in that, like, you know, mid mid thirties level where, you know, if they get a couple of bounces they could they could jump up and, and if not they'll they'll be at about what this is, which is thirty three for an eighty two game season. But I, I think, you know, you could be looking at thirty five, thirty six. Mm, yeah. Uh as a Golden State Warriors fan who owns Minnesota's pick um, protected one through four, I really hope they hit this 30 to 36 number because that would put them right at the maybe sixth through ninth pick. Um, and whew, uh, I love it. I'm hitting the under, you're hitting the over. So the next team is the New Orleans Pelicans. Their number is set at 35 flat or 40 per 82 games. They added Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, Kira Lewis Jr. and Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, and they lost Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, each one more, and Jaleel Okafor. I'm hitting the over simply because, Dante, have you seen their two preseason games? I actually haven't. Talk me through it. Nice. So Zion looks exactly what you wanted him to look last year. He looks fresh. He looks healthy. He looks so aggressive. Like, if if you look at his box score, it's probably going to be – it's not the greatest box score, but when you watch the games, you see him throw up a shot and he misses it. He jumps from one side of the ring to the other to steal the rebound off the opposing center, chucks it up again, misses it. You know, you can you can forgive that in preseason, but he keeps getting the rebound. Yes, he's padding his stats there on the rebounds, but it ruins his field goal percentage. And it's just like, how many guys in the league have you ever seen like capably go after the ball after they've missed it once, let alone three times? And he's just... Oh, it's just such a fucking unit, man. Like I'm not breaking <laughs> any news, but it, it is just insane the way he's pushing around like all these guys that don't matter. The one thing that gives me pause 
is that Steve Adams, we criticized that when it happened. Um, if you listen to the four man wave, you can see that <laughs> Lucas Petraeus actually broke it before it happened. So obviously listen to our podcast to hear breaking news before it actually, before it actually happens. Um, but Steve Adams, while a good defender in his own right, he's not going to help them in the playoffs and he's not going to help, well, he's, he is going to help them in the regular season. It's sort of a regular season addition. So I'm hitting the over on this number and this is the team that I'm picking to make the eight seed. I mean, I know everyone did that last year. I haven't even mentioned that Brandon Ingram looks fine. Like he hasn't missed a beat. Like him and Devin Booker has got to look like the deadliest shooters coming into preseason. They're just making some like insane shots with hands, like, picking their nose essentially and um, he looks good Zion looks exactly what we wanted him to be Stephen Adams is a floor raiser in the regular season they've got Eric Bledsoe who's one of the best point guard defenders in the league and it's just this is the team that we all talked ourselves into last year and then talked themselves into again at the bubble but now they're actually going to do it as opposed to the last two times time's a charm what are you doing I'm going slight over. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I will admit I don't quite have my finger on, on the pulse of this team as much as I uh, maybe should five days out. Five days, Sean, uh, from the, <laughs> <laughs> the start of the regular season. Uh, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot to work with. And I think it's not uh, – we shouldn't discount moving from Alvin Gentry to uh, Stan Van the Man who mm-hmm. has a history of, if nothing else, organising young teams on defence. And a couple of the dudes that you mentioned in Adams and Bledsoe, the bookends, who are probably going to start for them in, in the regular season, like just veteran defenders who know exactly what they're doing, who can show the young guys the ropes and hold it down. And if Zion looks healthy and explosive like he did, uh, like you know, like you're describing, I actually haven't watched any Pelicans uh, yet this preseason, but if, if he is as advertised, and I will say this, if he can, you know, grab a defensive rebound and make a defensive play, which we, for all the hype, you know, 23 and 7 last season in, in like the 20 games that he played, he didn't grab many defensive rebounds, uh, mm. which is a problem. And he didn't block many shots or get many steals. So I think that he's going to need to really like learn how to play D at the NBA level and commit. But if there was going to be, you know, like a coach who I'd back to kind of get that out of him, then Stan Van would be on the on the shortlist for sure. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go over just because I feel like this team winning, this team being effectively 500 just feels too low. Like Brendan Ingram is not <laughs> all star. They've just got like just capable vets and like intriguing young players everywhere. Mm. But I don't necessarily think that they are going to be. I'm thinking like who who do I think is going to be in that kind of like six seven eight range, and I don't think that they're going to be better than say like a Utah or a, a Golden State or you know or you already know I'm hitting the over on the Suns because I, I kind of have to like t- t- toe the party line. So I'm going to say that I don't see them being better than the Suns. Uh, you know, dredge this back up in four months when they're the four seed and the Suns are the ten seed, but. For now, I'm going to say I can't see them jumping into that playoff mix, but definitely over of 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 500. I think I could definitely see them be the nine seed and just miss out or this season, you know, uh, playing tournament. Mm, they've got two All-Stars. They're going to win more than half their games. The second All-Star is Zion Williamson. So you were talking about Eric Bledsoe for a second and I was like, damn. 
<laughs> now, did you just miss out? He was one of those like Mike Conley guys. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I don't know what I was listening to the other day. I was listening to something and someone was like, Eric Bledsoe is like a, a two-time almost all-star. And if Eric Bledsoe is going to be an all-star, that is literally just like the, you know, like bump Chris Middleton out of the way. <laughs> that is the poster child for an all-star in the East. Like 2018-19, D'Angelo Russell, get out of the way. Like if Eric Bledsoe <laughs> did manage to make an all-star team, that's like, all right, dude, you are like the... Yeah, you yeah, were like the of the Hall of Fame where it's like you're the barometer that people measure you against when they're talking about All-Stars now. Yeah, you'd be like the 47th best guard in the West, but you're like the, you're the last, you're the last ring in for the, for the East. Anyway, no, no disrespect to my guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's, let's move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Their number is at 22 and a half or 25 and a half per 82. They added Trevor Reza, Al Horford, George Hill, Ty Jerome, TJ Leaf, and Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, that team right there probably wins the 2011 finals. They lost Stephen Adams, Chris Paul, Andre Robeson, Dennis Schroeder, Nerlens Noel, and Danilo Gallinari. That team right there probably wins the 2011 finals, actually. Um, I'm going under because we have gone over or maybe like, what's it called? Where you, where you bang it right on? Push. You put, we've, we've pushed ish and we've gone over on so many teams. The losses have to come from somewhere and the losses come from the OK City Thunder because if they are over this number, it's because El Horford, Trevor Reza and George Hill are playing well. And Sam Presti, like while he was happy to win last year and say, oh, let's make the playoffs. This is not a year where you want to make the playoffs, especially with the draft coming up ahead of us. The draft that is, that is supposed to be. Um, so if they're playing well, it's because El Horford's playing well. And if he's playing well, he's going to get traded. They're going to get more assets. Uh, what are you doing, Dante? I'm going under and I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make a, hot, a hot prediction. This team is going to win less games than Shea Gilgis-Alexander averages points per game. Yeah, that's a good one because I also snapped him from your fantasy team. So I'm hoping that you're right. And he's, he averages like 27 points. Did you get SGA as well? Yeah, man. I, I literally you took literally all. just took all the dudes that I wanted. You took like five guys. That I, I was I was in a Zoom call with um with two of my mates when I was doing it, and I after I've taken all of the dudes that you love and adore, almost got Brandon Ingram. I um I was like after I drafted, I'm like, oh Dante's going to hate me for this. Oh, I got Darius Baisley. Dante's going to hate me for this. Oh, I got Bobby, Bobby Portis. Dante's going to hate me. For this. You yeah, you went out of your way to take Baisley like. 60 spots ahead of his <laughs> draft prediction just to spy I me. Mean, anyway, we don't need to talk about our, our fantasy league. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you, you said it all, Sean. This team is, is actively going to be bad. And if there's any hint that they're going to be good, the dudes who are feeling that, that are over 25 are out. And uh, if Horford is indeed not washed, uh, the same goes for Ariza then they, they're going to be attractive oh. deadline targets. And George Hill is... There's reason to believe that George Hill is definitively not washed. Like, there's not really questions about that. So, George Hill is going to be the the number one uh, veteran ring-in for a team that needs help with its ball handling in the second unit. So, uh, yeah, they're going to add to their stash of, of draft picks. And I think, honestly, this team... It's probably going to be 15th in the West because it's the only team that is got rid of all of its good players and is actively still trying to get worse. But before you have a chance to add anything, 
Uh, I know, noticed that you included in the notable losses Andre Roberson. <laughs> well, you what's going on? What's going on there? That's one of the reasons I've hit the under because they're they're <laughs> the greatest defender in the league. Um, and like, who are they stopping? You know, we had this conversation about two teams now. Like, who who is who are they stopping? They have no wing defenders after losing Andre Roberson. So I, I wish him the best. Uh, in his endeavours for either Real Madrid or the Guangzhou Dragons. Um, and I will be watching his career uh, very closely. Um, we will definitely be talking about Andre Roberson more on this podcast, whether Dante wants to or not. All, all I want to say on Andre Roberson is that throughout his entire career, in terms of three-point shooting, Andre Roberson walked so that 2019... 2020 postseason, Paul George could run. So <laughs> those, you know, those side of the backboard corner threes didn't come from nowhere, Sean. They came from Oklahoma City and Andre Roberson. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. Well, you know, I'm actually I have something else to say, considering how <laughs> victimized I feel by the the Bobby Porter's slander that I've been subjected <laughs> to for daring to assert that I thought a role player was okay. You have waited the last three years to see Roberson return to form, only for him to play a total of 50 minutes and then get released and no one wants him. So I tagged you in the thing where he got, he got checked in, man. <laughs> you, yeah, give me back Shea Gildas Alexander in fantasy, please. <laughs> All right, let me, let me just read out a couple of tweets because I just tried to find out where Roberson's playing basketball next. Um, so he tweeted, he, he tweeted, what is it, a month ago now, where he said, anyone got the plug on the new Xboxes? 85 likes, seven retweets. <laughs> um, there's a lot of football things that you would get. And then he, he said, no Andre 3000 slander will be tolerated. I don't care. Uh, that's pretty cool because he's, he's Andre. <laughs> um, and he's, his profile picture on Twitter is from, oh God, you know, I didn't have Foxtel as a kid. Don't have it now. I think it's Ed, Ed and Eddie. Uh, one of those sort of, that sort of vibe of a show. <laughs> um, but actually more interestingly, he recently tweeted a photo of him getting drafted. Um, no, that's incorrect. Ignore that. Scratch that. Well, I, I would like to say on my short list of places where I think that Robertson should go is... Uh, he would benefit from the tutelage of friend of the pod, Francesco Nani at Uni Euro in Italy's second division. So, uh, you know, let's, let's try and, <laughs> should we get a hashtag trending like Roberson to Forley or something like that? Let's get this done, man. That is big if true. That's, <laughs> that's fucking, yeah. Paolo Calanestro Forley. Dante, I don't know why I tried to attempt it. You're the one with the Italian background. Yeah, you definitely uh, <laughs> you definitely didn't hit it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. So the next the next team on the list is the Phoenix Suns, and their number is set at thirty eight or forty three point five, which would put them seventh in the West. They added Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, each one more Langston Galloway, and of course Damian Jones because he needs just another chance in the NBA. And they lost Aaron Baines, Ty Jerome, Frank Kaminsky, Kelly Oubre, and Ricky Rubio. Dante, take it away. Well, I'm going over half because I have to and half because I genuinely think that this team is going to be good. 
we are 0 and 3 in the preseason, so I'll, I'll, as always, temper that optimism with a healthy dose of caution. But the pitch <laughs> here is pretty much you trade out Ubre and Rick Rubio, you bring in Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, and then you say that Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and then whatever we get from first round pick this year, Jalen Smith, are all going to get better. Jalen Smith looks good, actually. He, he looks all right. He looks all right. He looks and better than I thought. They're going to get better just because they're growing into themselves and getting more experience and growing with a, a staff that's shown that they can develop young players. And then on top of that, they're going to get the, the Chris Paul bump, kind of like we saw with last year. Well, exactly, hopefully, what we saw with last year's Oklahoma City Thunder. I think that's a pretty compelling case. Uh, and the, the, the roster is really, it's, it's really well balanced in terms of composition and that we've got you know enough three and d wings that can either in in someone like bridges and johnson's case uh slide up a position if we want to play small Mikel, uh sorry um crowder and uh crowder and johnson's case play up a position Mikel bridges can slide down a position and play the two so we've got some pretty good uh roster flexibility like lineup flexibility and although deandre aiden hasn't played much defense uh, in the last three preseason games, there's reason to suggest that the last time that he played basketball that actually counted, he was, you know, showing some signs of developing into, developing into a really consistent and intimidating interior presence, which means that with, you know, Chris Paul, Devin Booker and Aiton on offense, just surrounded by by uh, shooting, that's going to be a pretty good offense. And if, uh, if Aiton can be a consistent force inside, it might be a, a near average defense as well. So... Mm. I, I don't know how much I'm talking myself into it and how much <laughs> my insight makes sense, but for what it's worth, they're, you know, they're, they're projected at 38 wins or 43 and a half in an 82 game season, which would put them in, in the playoffs as a seven seed. So maybe I'm not crazy. Yeah. Um, Dante, maybe you're not crazy. Uh, I'm also hitting the over and I think you put it well, but I think we should, just hope that this isn't the year that everything falls apart for Chris Paul and because he's like 45 or whatever it is. So hopefully it doesn't happen for your sake. Yeah, well, I mean, Chris Paul's another one of those those dudes who you kind of have to have the caveat in there that as long as he stays healthy, then everything that we've just said is true. But he, you know, he does have a history of soft tissue injuries in recent years and he's an older guy who's small. So... Phoenix has historically quite a good medical staff and you can bet that uh, they will be taking every precaution with, with Paul. So he's another dude like talking about Kawhi and LeBron who we might see resting fairly frequently. Yeah, You know, you have to... Everything doesn't go down the toilet. Uh, but yeah, when it, when it does, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. But for now, I think uh, hard over. And I'm, you know, I'm genuinely... Not only am I optimistic... But I, I feel like my optimism has reason. Like last season, I was optimistic at the start of the season, but it was mostly just like, oh, basketball's back, you know? This is like, <laughs> I genuinely think that it might actually be good. So, Okay, awesome. Um, all right, we're well, moving on to the next team, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, did you know that Trailblazers is two words, not one? That was my typo. Their number is set at 40 and a half or 46 per 82. That would put them sixth place. They added Robert Covington, Enos Cantor, Derek Jones Jr., Harry Giles. Um, Enos Cantor got his media day photos, airbrushed it, and then retweeted it. And they lost Trevor Ariza, Hassan Whiteside, and Mario Hazonia. 
Um, Dante, this I'm hitting you over not only because I think this team's going to be good, and like I said, they're, they're a shout to be that sneaky two years ago Denver to get the one seed just because they're so together. Um, but they are they are so deep, and I also need to prove that Derek Shams Jr. is a good basketball player. <laughs> He's going to be starting at the four, so he has. This is my my basketball ego is riding on this because this is it. This is the opportunity. He's playing in a stretched out system with a good point guard. He's starting. He has the opportunity. He's not going to be guarding the best opposition player. Um, that will probably go to Roko. So this this is it, man. This is my my podcasting life is is on this team. I I'd like to just correct some of your. Uh, vernacular in the additions, <laughs> additions and losses. They didn't lose Hassan Whiteside. They gained Hassan Whiteside being gone. <laughs> so, yeah, you know that is you know Hassan Whiteside, the next uh, the next Ewing Theory candidate. Well, pretty pretty established Ewing Theory candidate. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going hard over. I think that when I think about Denver, Utah, Portland, and Dallas. I think that they're either going to be the best or the second best out of that bunch. And I think that they're a, uh, a lock for a top four seed because Dame, not to, you know, put my, my bleacher report hat on <laughs> here and say that Dame gets overlooked and disrespected far too often. Uh, <laughs> These turnips. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what time is it? Dame time. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I hate myself for having just said that, but I, I fully believe it. Like he, he's, he's super good and his teams are always, you know, like just offensively dynamite. And with Rocco and Derek Jones Jr. added, you know, there for, for whatever their warts and both players, you know, do have them. They do add some shooting in shooting and defense in Covington's case. And then just some crazy athleticism on the wing. Uh, and the ability to slide up. I know that you love the idea of um, DJJ starting at the four. Uh, I think this team is really good. It's going to be fueled by Lillard. And Nurkic is also one of the, the most overlooked, uh, you know, bigs in, mm. in the game, one of the over, most overlooked fives. He's legitimately better than... <laughs> no, no, stop. They, they get to make the silly noises. He's he's legitimately good on D and and when he's healthy he functions really well for them and then he kind of has a bit of prime Al Horford in him where he's a great user of the ball and you can really get him in some dribble handoff actions at the elbow that uh you know that 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 move for the team with the ball in his hands or getting in, getting the ball into Damon CJ's hands so I'm I'm really high on this team and I think that they not only will be a great regular season team, but you know, I could definitely see them making a deep playoff push as well. Yeah. And just final thing, I think this team definitely has the chemistry in themselves to do it um, because Mello is fully committed to coming off the bench and he's happy being just the veteran guy off the bench. And we didn't see that happen much in OKC and Houston, his last two stops. Um, sorry, OKC, Houston and Atlanta. Um, <laughs> I, we haven't seen him do that. He's always been like, nah, I'm fucking Mello. I deserve to start. And it's like, well, you don't. Uh, you were starting on a team that literally had no power forwards for a couple of months there. Uh, so yeah, I, I just like how there's no, that there, there's no confusion that Derek Jones Jr. is starting and this is, yeah, it's, and Harry Giles has looked good in preseason. Um, and I saw this, this Kings guy on Twitter go on a massive rant where he goes, um, where they're like giving up on Harry Giles. 
has got to be the biggest mistake that the Kings have made in recent history. And he goes, obviously picking um, Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic and Trey Young is bad, but they picked him and for at least a week there, they were like, oh, okay, maybe this dude's like a Murray Stoudemire and maybe Luka's not good. Harry Giles is good at basketball and the Kings let him go. And now they have one less good basketball player who's young and is looking good. And maybe he's going to bloom in this situation and be, be the starter at the end of the year. No, that's just, that's me being an idiot. Um, you, yeah, you, that is you being an idiot. So you, better, <laughs> you better watch yourself, mate. All right. So we're both hitting the over there. Um, so- I just want to say, I just want to say that before, before we do move on to the, the team that Harry Giles just departed from, I want to push back on that a little bit because like, let's calm down on a dude who averaged seven and four. You know, yeah, like I, I, you know, I get replaced him with Whiteside, man. It's not like there was no, this no, opportunity elsewhere. A hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, it's a, it's a stupid basketball and move. Frank you, effectively, <laughs> you effectively just, you know, like traded out for a, a dude who's 10 years older, who's getting the same money rather than keep this 22 year old on your roster and get, a, you know, a, a longer look at him, but he's not, He's not yet a world beater. That being said, I can actually see him being really good for this Portland team because he's he's uh you know he's kind of in the make of of a backup big that they haven't really had. Uh, you know, Whiteside obviously just like stuffed the stat sheet last season with with everything, but it was kind of like the you know the fast food. It was the McDonald's of, of performances in that it was mostly <laughs> empty calories. I think Giles Giles could be good and playing with someone like Dame. Uh, is is always good for your pick and roll development, uh, and he's he's got you know physical tools. So uh, bad by the Kings, decent by Blazers. The Blazers will be the four seed. Yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. So next up, the Sacramento Kings. The number is at twenty nine or thirty three, which puts them in the lottery. They added Frank Kaminsky, Hassan Whiteside. Glenn Robinson the third and Tyrese Halliburton and they lost Kent Bazemore, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harry Giles the third and Alex Len. Dante, I I am literally sitting here sipping on Monte McNair's juice. You know I've talked about it for two weeks now. Going under, the Kings are tanking. The Kings are going to get Cade Cunningham or whoever it is, um, and they get a year of reviewing Marvin Bagley and they get to see Fox average twenty five and ten and. That's awesome. We we know a certain friend of the pod who has some jerseys that need start stuffing. Yeah, I mean, maybe not to make Dan's tanking, but everyone else on this roster is not tanking, including the coach who, you know, Luke Walton's probably not going to get another sniff at a, a head coaching job if, if, if this team is tanking and it goes badly this season. So I think these guys are kind of like the anti-thunder where the Thunder are like, we will under no circumstances be good. Uh, they, you know, these guys need, Kings need people to be good. They need Bagley to come through. They need Fox to prove that he really is that kind of all-star level um, player. And then other than that, with Bogdanovich gone, it's like, this is not a very thrilling or intriguing <laughs> roster. Like, how many how many seconds before I start talking about Harrison Barnes, you know? Oh, so, hell Burton before that. Yeah, well, he looks good in preseason. Uh, Long lanky, getting in passing lanes. No, he does. He does look good, good in preseason. I, I'm going under, like you, but unlike you, I haven't uh, had a trip to the fountain of McNair to illuminate the Kings' plans. I just am <laughs> assessing this on the basis of the coach 
who has proved to be not very good in two NBA stops, a roster that has proved to be not very good. And that's enough for me to say under that this team will be bad. All right, the next team are the San Antonio Spurs, who their numbers set at 30 or 34 per 82. Projected for the lottery, they added Devin Vassell and they lost Marco Bellinelli to Italy and Bryn Forbes. Um, uh, under, Dante, what do you want to say? Yeah, under. It's like if... It's it's not like OKC okay, where if their guys are good, they're getting traded because they have to be bad. They still have Greg Popovich, um, who could retire at any second. Maybe, maybe he just wants to stick around with Demar Derozan for a couple more seasons. Or it's it's just a little bit yucky. Um, Devin Vassell, I think, is going to be a very good player. Very good in terms of plays for ten years, has a role, not <laughs> not quite Leonard, but. Um, yeah, not a very sexy team. Uh, I'd rather watch the Kings than watch these guys as well. The um, the Marcus Aldridge and DeRozan now both on expirings as well, which means that opens them up to either be like salary dumped to open up space and just like wash their hands. Or you can talk yourself into, and I certainly could, either of them being veteran acquisitions for a team that needs help at the, you know, at the trade deadline, like running into yeah. the the postseason. So that just doubles the chance, uh, the flexibility in the range of deals that they can be included in that one or both of them get moved. And they're not, you know, they're not going to get moved for primarily like other, you know, other, like, you know, mid career players that are going to make a difference. They'll be moved for matching salary and draft picks. So this team, I think, yeah, will, will probably be a, a lost season where we're looking at like seeing how, DeJounte Murray and Dirk White and Keldon Johnson can all, yeah, Lonnie Walker, Vassell even can do in a, you know, in an increased role. But it's it's really hard, even with Aldridge and DeRozan in the picture, to see this team being better than some of the the other teams that we've kind of like hemmed and hawed about, like a, you know, uh, a New Orleans or a Memphis mm-hmm. or even a Minnesota. Like I think the Spurs are just not going to be. Good and unless they, the wild card is is with pop in place unless they kind of just like flip it and say like we're going into, you know asset you know not asset acquisition but we're going into competition mode. They've got assets that would be potentially interesting to other people mm. if they were willing to part with some draft picks and a Derek White or you know something yeah. of that nature. <laughs> but I think that I think that's. I think it's a bit of a long shot and it's far more likely that they'll just be bad. So I'm going a confident under. Okay, so we're both going under. I just want to say one thing that I'm really, really excited at the potential of one or both of LMA or DeRozan getting waived. So um, the Spurs just eat their salary and say, well, we just want to give more minutes to Lonnie Walker or or Trey Lyles. Um, And imagine being any contender adding LaMarcus Aldridge or DeRozan. Maybe not DeRozan, more LMA. LMA would be like, LMA is going to the Lakers if he gets (laughs) waived or bought out. That is literally happening. That would be unreal. I I mean, you know, this is just like the, among the time-honoured traditions of the first 18 months of this podcast, I like DeRozan a lot more than you do. And I think that there's a few teams that, you know, mid-season you're, just outside or just inside the playoff picture, this stuff usually happens in the East more than the West where teams tend to be 
better. But you could, you being like the the average general manager of a seven seed, you definitely taught yourself into trading for DeRozan, and it wouldn't be a rich price. Like all you need to do is get salary together and then chuck in a heavily protected first round pick. Like Orlando, if Charlotte's good, I could see them making a move. Uh, he's genuinely a good player. He put up like twenty two and six last season. I mean, I know that he poses some issues in that he doesn't shoot threes, but I think he's he's always been. Um, a decent rebounder for a guard and he's obviously a really good inside scorer so there's kind of like a bit of inversion potential maybe maybe you know some some small ball four kind of vibe I think that the right team with the right motivation would be able to figure out how to use him in a a way that um, you know, benefits them and, and showcases his ability and I don't think he would be too rich but if if he or LMA leave then it's 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 done for this team. Like they 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 would be in competition with OKC for probably like the favourites for the fifteenth seed in the West. Mm. Yep. Okay. Well, the final team is the Utah Jazz. Their number is set at forty one or forty six point five, which would put them in fifth place. Um, they added Derek Favors and they lost Tony Bradley and Ed Davis. Dante, we've both gone over. Um. I see them just like Portland as a sneaky team that could get up there with the one, two or three seeds. And we'll, we'll see what happens, whether this team just implodes again, chemistry wise with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, or if they're going to keep together, what do you think? I don't think they'll implode. I think that there's too much talent on this team. I really wanted to hit the the under, to be honest. Really? Yeah. But then I thought about it and I was like, Gobert, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Conley, like, meh, that's that's pretty good. That's they've got Derek Favors yeah. off the bench, one of the best plus minus guys. That's I mean, that's a pretty nice uh it's a pretty nice, you know, six six dude um six dude lineup at the top. And I don't necessarily think that we'll see either Mitchell or Gobert get much better, but they I think they can't be worse than they were a year ago. You know, you Maybe you taught yourself into Conley being better in his first year, in his second year in, in, in the system. I think that that's certainly possible. But I think the absolute worst case scenario is that Conley is as bad as he was last season. Bogdanovich, uh, Mitchell and Gobert are as good as they were last season. And they slot into that four to six range in the, uh, in the West. And, you know, that 47 wins... Again, like you know, like it's not. Yeah, it's not not world beating. Like you know, you're, you're a few games over 500 at, at 47 wins. So I think this team is definitely going to go the over. That being said, uh, another time on a tradition of this podcast is you being really high on Utah and me not buying them in comparison to the other player, the other teams around them. I think that Denver, Dallas, and Portland, the other teams that I think are going to be in that through six range in the West, I will have way more faith in them getting out of the first round than I do in Utah. So I think they're comfortably the worst in there, but I still hit the over. Well, if it wasn't for the bubble, that we would be talking about the uh, the NBA champions. So you can understand why I'd be so high on them. But jokes aside, and bringing a new joke in, uh, their two best players and potentially more had COVID. Obviously, Rudy Gobert was one of the first guys to ever get COVID in America and the NBA. Um, does that give them 
we don't know if you can get reinfected. Does this give them some kind of immunity? Because let's say you're playing Golden State, Steph Curry got the virus, can't play, and he's isolating. Uh, the same doesn't apply. The same like worry isn't there for this team since their whole team has supposedly had it before. <laughs> that a little like big brain <laughs> plus that. Uh, Big brain or little brain? I'm I'm not quite sure, but uh, <laughs> I I tend to stay away from uh, pseudo from pseudoscience. Although <laughs> I do uh, I do remember distinctly seeing like a uh, like a Guardian article just up about six months ago, saying scientists don't think that you, scientists say you can't get reinfected with COVID nineteen. But this man's had it three times. So uh, I didn't read the article, but it stuck with me. And if there was going to be anybody who would get reinfected with some snake bit luck, it'd be really go bad being the guy who, you know, shut down the whole operation in March. I think that if there was an odds on favor for someone who just by pure chance or bad luck would get reinfected, it would be really go bad. So Quinn Snyder needs to keep the troops in line and not let them act like they, they are COVID superheroes. Well, Quinn Snyder is going to be keeping busy trying to foil James Bond's plans for the next five years. So <laughs> super villain Quinn Snyder. Um, I don't know if his full attention is, is put towards basketball. It's just an elaborate front for his nefarious activities. Knew it. Um, well, Dante, that's every single team making it a grand total of 30 across two episodes. So thank you to you for listening, not you, the listener. Um, and if you haven't heard the Eastern Conference episode, please check that one out. It is just as good, if not better than this one. And while you're here, follow us on our socials on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or what was the third one? Facebook, Twitter, that's LinkedIn. We're still, we're still kicking around on LinkedIn. Oh, uh, yeah, just just occasionally. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, give us give us that LinkedIn. Connect with us on LinkedIn. <laughs> Um, but yeah Dante do you want to send us off thanks for listening everyone and tune in next week for a special edition of the four man weave as we gear up for the start yes the start I know just for like it finished yesterday but the start of the 2020-21 NBA season take it easy